and welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Johnny McFarlane and today I'm joined by what we like to call our official Football Scotland Wokesman, Adam Miller. How you doing? On the pod today, as news emerges of Turkish interest in Daniel Candias, we ask if Rangers should sell their Portuguese winger. Jason Cumming is free to leave Nottingham Forest and Danny Simpson is set for a trial with Celtic. But should the club be looking to sign someone with a domestic violence conviction? So, Adam, uh, the big story that is uh, topping the charts at Football Scotland just now is the um, news that Daniel Candias is subject to interest from Turkey. I'm going to try and pronounce the, the side's name. Right. You, you, you're going to give me a wee drum roll? Okay. No, I'm, I'm not going to give you a drum roll. Jenser <laughs> <laughs> Lerbijili. Right, okay. Uh, that's definitely not how you pronounce it. I'm not well, going to say it again. I, I, you know, I could see it being that. It's, it's an upgrade on your attempt at Bolling Bollingolian Bombo. Bolly Bollingolian Bombo. I've got it now. Well done. Only took um, a couple of weeks. <laughs> I was practicing that in the mirror this morning. Um, Daniel Candias arrived at the club for 750,000. I think you look over the course of his time in Scotland 97 appearances, 14 goals, 25 assists. I've always liked him as a player. Are you surprised that Steven Gerrard would be looking to move him on if this report um, is verified? Um, well, I mean, he wasn't in the... I know there was a reason he wasn't in the, the European squad. I, I'm somewhat surprised if Rangers do let him go. I, I think Candias is a good player. Um, also, I think uh, as as difficult as it is to read too much into pre-season friendlies... The goals, particularly, I think it was the second one against yeah. Marseille. That was that was the sort of goal, even in a non-competitive game. The touch that he had to take that ball down and the calmness with which he finished, for a guy who's not a an, a forward, that proved how uh, you know how how skillful the guy is. I think he gives Rangers a lot, and he he can defend, but he also gives Rangers a lot going forward down the flanks. Um, it's I, his work rate that's helped. James Tavernier over the years, isn't it? Because you look at the the statistics, and people always point to these when they're they're talking about James Tavernier being one of the best fullbacks in the league. But a lot of that comes from the hard work that Candias does in doubling up. Yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of the best fullbacks uh, that you've seen, or a lot of the best players playing on the flanks that you've seen over the years, they've not just achieved that on their own. It's it's having that peace of mind, knowing that if I bomb forward, there's someone behind me, um, and I think. There is an element of that at Rangers with Candias and Tavernier. I would be surprised if Rangers were actively trying to offload him. But again, without being privy to the finances at Rangers, that may have something to do with uh, how they found three and a half million or however much it was for Hellander. Uh, that might have been dependent on certain players leaving, whether that be a more modest transfer fee like they might get for Candias or a big blockbuster sale like Morelos. Sorry, like Candias or a big blockbuster sale like Morelos. Well, yeah, I think Morelos, if he goes, um, that will certainly give bring in enough money to uh, pay for the Hellander fee. But um, I think Candias, you're talking maybe 500,000. He's 31 now. Yeah. Um, so I think that would be a good deal if they were to be able to get that kind of, kind of cash in for him. But I suppose if you look at Rangers and on the wings in terms of their squad depth, They've got Jordan Jones, Jake Hasty, Ojo, Murphy, Arfield, and I think they hope Ryan Kent. Now that's six mm-hmm. before you even talk about Candias. So perhaps it does speak to Stephen Gerrard just fine tuning and finessing a squad that is uh, that has a lot of depth. Yeah, well he's on to what his third transfer window now as Rangers manager Gerrard, and of course he made signings in his first two, but 
in your second season, I think that's when you find when you've not just got that transfer window, but you've got the the whole of the previous season behind you to figure out who you like and who you don't, where your strengths and weaknesses are. I think this is a really, really big sort of defining transfer window for Gerard. He's brought in eight players so far. There may be more to come and I would be surprised if there weren't players to leave as well. Again, I'm sure Gerard rates can do this, but uh, as you're talking about the, the sort of strength and depth they've got there, I still have my doubts about whether Kent will come but even without Kent, they do have a lot of backup in those positions. I still don't think Gerard would be actively trying to sell Candace, but if an offer came in, and as you say, he's 31, then they may take it. Here's why I think that he would be open to an offer, um, despite the fact that I rate him, and I think you rate him too, by from, from what you've said. If you look at his performance last season, 52 appearances, 6 goals, 12 assists, the season before was better, 45, 8 and 13, mm-hmm. in a significantly worse Rangers side. Yeah. So he's gone backwards a little bit and I would look at the big name players around Europe performing in his position. So I've picked one out, Sadio Mane, plays right, okay. in the wing for, for Liverpool. Now obviously not on the same planet as players, Mane's world class. So we can't quote this podcast, Johnny McFarlane no. compares Daniel Kandias <laughs> to Sadio Mane. But what I would expect is given Liverpool the second place position in the Premier League, statistics of a similar nature because... Um, if you're talking about context, contextually, Rangers are probably as dominant over the rest of the Premier League as Liverpool are over the rest of the Premier, the, the Premier League and Premiership. Get my yeah. get my Premiers mixed up there. Um, but Manny, 50 appearances, 26 goals, five assists. That's the kind of incisive play I think Gerard will want from his forward players. We've talked in detail about the fact that Rangers have struggled to break down a low lying block in the past, and to me. Candace's stats speak of a guy who has struggled in that regard. Well, I mean, we there's no we've already established the guy the guy's ability isn't in question. If Gerard has looked at that and seen, and I'm, I think Gerard seems like the type of manager is very much on top of people's stats and their development and possibly regression. Um, if he sees a sort of downward momentum with Candace and thinks this is only heading in one direction, mm-hmm. um, I mean. If, uh, if he didn't have to sell anyone, I'm sure he would regard Candace as an important squad player. Um, but if it is a question for Gerard of you're only able to bring in these eight signings that you've made this summer if you can move a couple of people on, um, I think, again, as I said, I don't think Gerard would be actively wanting rid of someone like Candace, but if the offer came in, he might take it. Yeah. Okay, well, time will tell to see if uh, any of this actually um, comes through in terms of the transfer deal uh, taking place. Uh, You can obviously find out about that with us at Football Scotland. We're going to move on, though, now to another player um, who has done very well in Scotland in the past. He moved down to England. This is Jason Cummings. He uh, has been told by Nottingham Forest that he is available to leave the club on a free. Now, I would imagine over the years... Jason Cummings has given you some pretty good stuff. Jason Cummings, the Bampot's Bampot. <laughs> the, on, the, only, the only plausible excuse for me to use the word cum dog on a podcast <laughs> and have it be completely acceptable. Um, when we were, obviously, I've, I've just, uh, I just arrived about five minutes before we started doing this podcast and there was debate at the desk about what player it was who had, tried to take a travel adapter from Scotland to Wales and uh, Gaby's not here to defend himself but he, he was saying he thought it was Jordan Jones I'm almost certain it was Jason Cummings 
So uh, even if it even if it wasn't Jason Cummings, it's exactly the sort of thing you could believe Jason Cummings would do. There's no doubt Jason Cummings is a decent footballer, but he even by football standards is like the bampot's bampot. I'm sure he's a perfectly nice guy, but he he seems completely away with it at times. Um, I think, and I like there was a clip of him doing some kind of when he was at Rangers it was, it was some kind of competition winner had got a chance to kick a ball about at Auchenhowie with Cummings and maybe one or two other people and Cummings missed a penalty when they were doing this and then he's, he's like oh it's the Gucci's man can he do it in the Gucci's and I'm like how did like how divorced from reality are you to be banging on about missing penalties because you're wearing Gucci's you know I mean it's it's not really the the life of a I yeah, no. I know footballers are all loaded and some of them are daft, but it's just stuff like that makes me cringe. Does he strike you as the kind of guy that, in another era, would have been perfectly comfortable as a professional football, had a good career? Yeah. But now, in 2019, the era of the 24-hour athlete, yeah. Jason Cummings find himself a little bit in the wrong movie. I th- yeah, I, I think that's pretty much exactly it. I think Cummings, there's no doubt he is a talented guy. Um and even as recently as the 90s, you know, when there was that idea that you built team spirit by going out and getting steaming. Like, that was... The, and I completely understand the argument for that. You sort of foster relationships with each other, same way you do with colleagues. If you go and socialise and all the rest of it, you you build up better relations. And you could see in so many great teams of the past that athletically they could not live with players of far less ability from 2019 but they won trophies because they had built up that kind of relationship and that trust with each other. And Cummings, I think, would have been more successful in that era. I ultimately, and I hope, I wish nothing but the best for the guy, but I do think he strikes me as someone who might look back in his career when it comes to the end and think there were opportunities for me to do more than I did. And I think it's all very entertaining, and don't get me wrong, I've completely lapped up some of the stuff he's been doing. It's always entertaining he seems like a funny guy, but I think there's a sort of balance to be struck. And I've always sort of, I've, you know, I've always been of a mind that uh, footballers should be able to enjoy playing football, that it shouldn't be a joyless existence. You know, it shouldn't be the sort of Fabio Capello England mentality of you're almost at a prison camp in order to win these games. But at the same time, it shouldn't be the sort of Sven Joran Eriksson other extreme with England where it was wives and girlfriends and just having a bit of a laugh and you know we'll, we'll play a few games as well I think there's like a balance to be struck and I think Cummings is too far in one direction there he should be able to still enjoy being a footballer and the perks that that has but also know when to screw the nut know when it's about focusing and being as you said a sort of 24-hour athlete it's a difficult one for me because I like his gallus nature. I think yeah. sometimes Scottish footballers lack that self-confidence on the grand stage that you need to be truly elite. And for me, Cummings has that self-belief, but doesn't marry it with that work ethic that you, that yeah. you need. Um, so, so it's a difficult one because in one way, you admire what makes him a, the guy he is. Yeah. But on the other hand, you also know that it's what's probably held him back. Yeah. I've watched him for for many a year, back, back to when he started out at Hibs, and I've always admired his finishing. He's mm-hmm. got a gorgeous left foot. And I think uh, I thought he would be a terrific signing when he came back for Rangers, and it didn't really work out. And it's sad for his career because 
he's been on a kind of downward trajectory since that move from from Hibs to Nottingham Forest. It didn't really work. Mark mm-hmm. Warburton, who brought him in, fairly quickly left Nottingham Forest. He came to Rangers. He thought, well, so that's a really good move for him. This this seems tailor made to to mm-hmm. to kick on. That didn't happen. He then moves on to Peterborough, starts really well. Um, then that video goes viral of him trashing up his flat in P- Peterborough, and it <sighs> yep. seemed to go downhill yep. from there. Yep. He goes out to Luton after being sent back six months and it's Peterborough and that Peter's out five appearances in six months, one goal. He's back at a crossroads. He's training with the under-23s in Nottingham Forest who don't want him. Where does he go from here? That's the question. For me, he's the classic example of a player. He's not physically there to play in England. Mm-hmm. I think he would come back up here and this season he would score 20 goals for a Hearts, a Hibs, an Aberdeen, genuinely. Um I just think if you go down to England, these guys are six foot four. They're physically strong. They're units. They're the kind of um, players that Jason Cummings just doesn't doesn't get a lot of joy out of. Whereas up here in Scotland, as his comfort zone, I think he could play into his, his thirties as a very very good player. But I don't think England is is the right environment. I think if I was at Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, despite his problems. I'd look to bring him in because he's a guy that just guarantees you goals. Do you think there's like an alternate reality where Cummings arrives at Rangers a few years ago and realises the sort of magnitude of that move in the context of his career, screws the nut, really focuses, doesn't worry about the off-the-pitch stuff, just really focuses and becomes a 20-goal-a-season Rangers striker and he's still in that Rangers squad in 2019? <sighs> I don't know if that was a problem at Rangers, to be honest. I think part of the problem is that Cummings is an anachronism in that he works best when he's in a front two. So he was lucky when he was at Hibs. Um, they played a 3-5-2 under Alan Stubbs, and then uh, Neil Lennon played a 4-4-2 variant, and he had a big striker along alongside him, um, and that, that really brought out the best in his game. He went to Rangers, and he was alternating with Alfredo Morelos, and he's playing up, up front in his own. He's expected to hold the ball up. That's not really his game. He's a boy that likes to get into the space and behind um, with using his, his pace over a, like five, ten yards, which where he's very quick. Um, likes to get on the end of things. He playing in about the box. I, sort of not, I wouldn't go as far as to call him a poacher in the McCoist mould, mm-hmm. but he's that kind of number nine yep. that, that you have to almost build your team around. And I just don't see a lot of that. And in, in even, even up here in Scotland now, but I do think he could be a big asset to someone like Hearts. And I know Hibs fans will be listening to this going, oh, oh my God. But I mean, he did grow mm-hmm. up as a Hearts fan. Um, I, don't think, I don't think Cummings is the type of guy to shy away from a challenge <laughs> like that as well. I think he'd love it. Yeah, he would just, he would, uh, he would revel in it, being back at his, his, his hometown club and his, the, the, the boyhood club that he grew up supporting. But I think if you look at Hearts' forward line, uh, Stephen Naismith, brilliant player, but injury prone. Yeah. Ek Piezu, Different, completely different kind of player, but also injury prone. They've bought in Washington, who's a big unit as well. Mm-hmm. Cummings would give them something completely different, that that little nimble yeah. number, number nine. Uh, and, and I think he would be a great signing for Hearts if they wanted to to put the money into it. I think Hibs, they've probably got enough up there with uh, Cam Berry, unless they were to sell him, for example. Um, I don't think they would be looking at the signing. And Aberdeen, there'd be question marks about whether or not he could fit into the sort of rigidity of uh, Derek McInnes's style. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I think it's very difficult for Cummings to go into even a Kilmarnock or a um, or a St. Johnson clubs where it's about work because yeah. that's just not his game. So I think he's he's, a, he's reached a very very difficult point in his career. Yeah, well, the next move I think is probably going to be crucial for him. And as I said before, I think if uh, I think there is a sort of 
potential that he might look back in his career and it'll be a series of what-ifs. So the next move, I think, is a really big one for him. Yeah, what is it about uh, youngsters coming through at Hibs? Strikers, talented strikers. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, we've had a succession of them. Gary O'Connor, Ryan, Derek Ryan, yeah. uh, and, and obviously uh, now Cummings. It uh, seems to be a pattern. But anyway, we're going to move on now to the news that Danny Simpson... Uh, the former Leicester City right-back is arriving at Celtic Park on Monday uh, of next week for a trial at the club. We know Celtic, of course, desperately in need of a right-back. They only have Anthony Ralston in there at the moment. Now, Simpson comes with some significant baggage. 2015, he was convicted of assault, receiving a sentence of 300 hours community service that was uh, later turned into um, a house arrest uh, for a, a similar amount of time. Um, Simpson was found guilty uh, of having his hands in his, around the throat of his ex-partner at a house in Greater Manchester. Adam, there's been a lot of debate on social media amongst Celtic fans over whether or not the club should be considering someone with such a conviction. What's your take on that? They shouldn't be signing him. They absolutely get the guy in the bin. Complete scumbag. There's no excuse whatsoever, no extenuating circumstances, nothing that can justify what he did. Um, I'm not really interested in this argument that people will inevitably give in the Facebook comments about people deserving a second chance. I agree that people in life deserve a second chance if they've atoned for what they've done, but that doesn't mean that a high-profile club that presents itself as very progressive and open-minded, like Celtic, should be the ones to hand this man a second chance. I said and would say again the exact same thing when Rangers signed John Flanagan last year. Um, these are not insignificant crimes. These speak to a personality defect in these people. They're not the sort of things that you do by accident. It's not you don't fall into someone and do that. That speaks to someone's mindset. It tells you exactly the kind of person that they are. Um, and I'm sure they can come out and say they're sorry or whatever, but these are absolutely despicable characters. There's no, just as just as with John Flanagan, there was no, uh, out, there was no call for from Rangers fans saying um, John Flanagan has to sign for us. This is a brilliant player. This was a guy who signed for Rangers. And then there was an outcry about his personality, and rightly so. Um, Rangers weren't under pressure to sign the guy. They just signed him and then were un- then they received the backlash, and justifiably so. Again, no Celtic fan was saying, uh, Danny Simpson, uh, what a brilliantly talented guy. We need to go out and get Danny Simpson. And then they learned about his past. They've, they've just had this Danny Simpson story foisted on them and now there's a kind of split within the Celtic support some people saying the guy needs a second chance and other people saying there's no reason to be giving it to this guy and I I firmly agree there's no reason why Celtic should be employing this guy it sends out a really terrible message not just to the many many women that support Celtic um, because it does it sends an absolutely shocking message to them that you know we will not we we will not regard uh, misogyny and violence against women as something that will deter us from signing someone if he can fill the elusive right back spot that we that we need filling. Uh, it also sends a really terrible message to young men that support Celtic who represent a huge chunk of the club's following. It says to them that you can go out 
and you can assault a woman and be convicted of assaulting a woman and within four years you could play for one of the biggest clubs in the world and there will be a couple of weeks of some people going that's a horrible thing that he did but ultimately because we need a right back we're willing to overlook that and I think that it just speaks to the cynicism and so much of what's wrong with modern football that ultimately what Celtic are saying here is that we prioritise the fact that we don't have a first choice right back at the moment over the message that we are sending to our supporters by employing someone who has been convicted for assaulting a woman. Is it specific to the fact you said they are um, a club that presents itself as progressive, which Celtic clearly do? Mm-hmm. Is that the key to it, or do you think someone like Simpson, with a conviction like Simpson's, shouldn't therefore be allowed to play professional football because you believe it's uh, it's, it's a, a, a basically a role model's position to be a footballer, professional I, football? I don't think it's a specifically Celtic thing. I think with I think with Celtic because so much of Celtic's identity is wrapped up in the idea of being a modern and progressive club that balances knowing its history with addressing the modern world in a in a balanced and open-minded way, I think that makes it worse in this instance because it completely contradicts that idea that Celtic and Celtic fans have of the club. But no, I don't think you can say uh, if someone has uh, been punished in the courts, there's no legal basis for saying that someone should not be allowed to resume their career. That's not how crime and punishment works. Um, I can't stop the guy going out and making a living. Um, the courts have decided what his punishment should be. That punishment has been served. So the guy's free to go out and make a living. What my issue is, is with Celtic actively going out. It's not like, it's not as I said, it's not like there was there were thousands and thousands of Celtic fans saying, you know what, it doesn't matter what this guy's done. The one man that we need right now is Danny Simpson. He's not like, he's not a, a superstar. And even if he was, that would be no excuse as well. But th- this is, we're talking about a guy who's, what, 31, 32. Um, he's not got the cream of Europe chasing after him. Celtic have just gone out and gone, do you know what? We need a right back just now. And to hell with what this guy's done in the very recent past. Um, and I think Celtic should be ashamed of themselves if they sign him. Where do you think the line is in terms of the kind of criminality that would make you unsuitable for a club like Celtic or Rangers in the top flight? Well, I, I, it's a very difficult question to answer that because no doubt when I, I'm going to be, once this podcast finished, I'll be writing a, a piece about this as well. And no doubt in the comments, there will be people who will say, but doesn't everyone deserve a second chance? And again, I would agree people do deserve a second chance. My issue is, do Celtic have to be the ones that provide that second chance? And when it comes to where's the line, do, will people say if, if Celtic signed someone who murdered someone 10 years ago, would that be the point where the people currently defending Danny Simpson would say, or oh, no, that's a bit much? I think it's any crime that speaks to uh, in this instance misogyny I think you've got to think not just about the crime that was committed but about the message that it sends in this case it's violence against women and it's misogyny and it's Celtics saying we you know we know about this stuff but ultimately we need a right back this isn't a case of trying to think of a kind of petty crime where someone was down on their luck and they robbed a Shop- shoplifting or something shoplifting yeah, yeah. yeah where someone was completely penniless and they had a child 
and they couldn't afford to pay for that child's upkeep and they robbed a newsagent. It's a horrible crime, but you can examine the context of that and say, well, that was a desperate person um, and you can understand that. But that, as I said before, you don't. The, what he did is not something that happens by accident. No, but what about the argument that the natural progression of what you're saying is that no football club would eventually take Danny Simpson if they used that logic? Mm-hmm. Because it might be that down south, for example, Grimsby mm-hmm. say that, well, someone else has to take a chance on Danny uh, Simpson because we don't want to be giving that message. If everyone was to apply that logic... Mm-hmm then the guy wouldn't be able to continue his career and become a taxpayer and contribute back to society. Is that not the natural outcome of, of the position you're taking? Probably, yeah. Um, I've got absolutely zero sympathy for him. As I said, it's not. I firmly believe that you know the law dictates that someone has a crime, serves a punishment for it as decreed by the courts, and then they're free to go about making a living. What I'm saying is, I'm not saying that he shouldn't be allowed to make a living. Um, what I'm saying is that Celtic shouldn't be going out their way to offer this guy a living. Um, and I'll have zero sympathy if the guy never kicks a football again. That's obviously not going to be the case. He is going to still prolong his football career. But I uh, I would have zero sympathy if his football career ended in 2015. You know, And uh, I, I just... I just wonder where the lines... And what really frustrates me about it as well in terms of people's reaction, and don't get me wrong, I've seen loads of Celtic fans come out very articulately condemn Celtic for doing this. But I see people who I'm certain last year were laying into Rangers, and justifiably so, over the signing of John Flanagan. And as with football clubs, as with political parties, as with so many other areas of life... It's very easy to condemn something and then when it's your side, it's somehow, as I've seen from a couple of people today on Twitter, well, we don't know all the facts and all this kind of thing. Well, you you weren't saying that in the John Flanagan case. All I can see is two guys who have convictions for horrible crimes and Rangers should be ashamed of signing John Flanagan and Celtic should be ashamed of potentially signing Danny Simpson. As you say, there's been a lot of debate online regarding it between Celtic fans last night and yeah. just debating with each other over yeah. whether or not their their club should be making that decision. And yeah. I, I, like you say, I think you articulate the fact that there is two schools of thought. There is one that takes your school and there's another that says people deserve a second chance. Um, how do Celtic fans, do you think, who feel that this is not a good way for their club to represent themselves, how do they go about... Um, showing that um, if Simpson was to sign because it's a difficult one as you've seen with Rangers there was a lot of Rangers fans who said they didn't like John Flanagan signing absolutely but that dies away because after a wee while he becomes part of the squad Um, John Flanagan as as far as we can see has behaved himself exemplary since he arrived in Glasgow Um, and these things tend to, to, to drift away um, mm-hmm. provided you behave yourself yeah. how, how do Celtic fans deal with that going forward? Well that is the concern and I'm not for a second doubting the conviction of any of these Celtic fans, I firmly believe that if you asked anyone who condemned it today six months down the line that they will still believe that however, those voices get drowned out because ultimately as we've seen in some very, very high profile cases in football people can get away with so much if they are scoring goals and making you money and uh, if you 
I think people will make a big show of if someone if someone's out of favour at a club, um, if they're an expendable asset and then they get accused of something, it's very, very easy for a club to make a big show of saying this person has done something horrible and they don't, don't fit into our values. But if, and as in this instance, Celtic need a right back and a player with vast English Premier League experience becomes available, it's very easy then for Celtic to go, do you know what, there will be some people on Twitter who don't like it but ultimately we need a right back and that's where I think Celtic should really be ashamed of themselves here. I think they've gone, as you've suggested, this will die out. Some people will be annoyed just now and then it will die out. From a Celtic fan's perspective, I would imagine that they would want to be, you know, just continuously vocal on Twitter. Um, I mean, I think a very... um, I I don't know how effective it would be to sort of unfurl banners at games. I don't think it could hurt. Um, But ultimately, Celtic, by sanctioning a guy like this wearing that top... Um, they've shown a disregard for a huge, huge element of the fan base. They have shown a disregard for the the example that it sets to other parts of that fan base, and they've basically said you can. They'll they'll know they'll know that it's going to result in the sort of tweets we've seen from some Celtic fans condemning it. And they've go, they've probably sat in a room and gone, "We'll get that, but we'll weather that storm." And that's what will happen. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't go to football looking for your uh, morality. No, um, no, because well, you won't find it. No, absolutely. Okay, right. Well, we're going to move on uh, and call it a day there. That's all from us here at Football Scotland. We'll be back tomorrow before four pm, just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable. Hopefully, tomorrow we can have quite a less serious podcast, a few jokes, a few laughs. Just going to put on shiny, happy people by <laughs> REM. Yeah. <laughs> you can get more from us at the Football Scotland website, of course. You can follow us on our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore Scott. To ask a question, to make a comment to us individually, you can do so by getting me at Johnny R. McFarlane. Get Adam at... Old Firm Facts 1. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening. <laughs>